Forgotten Flicks, Episode 28, The Stepfather. Wait a minute. Who am I here? Jerry. Jerry. Jerry Blake. Thank you, honey. Hello, all you fine and sexy people out there. I am Joel, and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast. And and I want to point out that for the first time in the history of this show, I am without... No, I'm just totally kidding. Jason's here. Hey, Jason. <laughs> Buckle up for safety. Yeah. <laughs> Jason is present and accounted for. Hey, would be a quivering heap in the corner without me. That's true. Well, especially since the that thing happened with the gerbil. Yeah, well, let's not talk about that. Let's not go. Okay, I told you. yeah. So tw- twenty-eight, Jason. We're twenty-eight now. You realize wow. that we're two removed from thirty. We're yeah. only twenty-two episodes away from fifty. We're only <laughs> seventy-two episodes away from the big one hundred. I'm telling you, we're so close, folks. We're just going to give you a sneak peek now. When we hit that hundredth episode, just right around the corner, we are gonna. It's gonna be. We're gonna blow it up large. It's gonna be. Uh, Eight extravagant. For everybody. Yep. <laughs> Isn't that a is that a drug term? <laughs> no, I mean we get little pool balls and we hand oh. them out with our little number on it. Oh. Yeah. I thought you were basically <laughs> just offering heroin to our audience, Jason. <laughs> it's cocaine, not heroin. Oh, whatever. Me. You'd know. <sighs> J- Jason's so old, he worked on Wall Street back in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. So tonight we are talking about one of my personal favorite films. The Stepfather, starring Terry O'Quinn. If you don't know who Terry O'Quinn is, please turn this off right now and never talk to me <laughs> again. It's okay. It's like he's a super duper oh, star. Oh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the Forgotten Flicks podcast, <laughs> previously hosted by two. Tragically, tragically canceled. Yes. Joel, it's just going to be three and a half hours of Joel talking to himself. If you thought it was random before, <laughs> just wait. So, yeah, The Stepfather, starring the great Terry O'Quinn, also known as John Locke from Lost. That's probably actually what he is the absolute best known for. Well, that and uh, Millennium. Millennium? See, this is where I need the crickets on effect. Yeah. Yeah, it was the uh, Chris Carter um, produced show that right after he did, uh, well, around the time he did X-Files, several Mm -hmm. seasons in, he did a show with Lance Henriksen. You remember that one? I think. Uh, yes. 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 But I, yeah. Terry Quinn was on that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to, I thought you were going to say more famously known for his role in Blind Fury. There it is. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because Blind Fury. Was, I mean, psh, Rutger Hauer. <laughs> yes. That's not a ticket to the top. And the, ro- <laughs> and, um, uh, the Rocketeer. Uh, that's true. Yep. That's true. I yeah. forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, what, Terry Quinn is one of those guys that 
he when you I mean we, you see him in Lost and you obviously think okay now he's hit superstardom but he's been around and really good in a lot of oh things. yeah he's it a fantastic character actor yeah you know something like Lost to really blow him into the limelight but yeah talent's been there I think for years oh yeah he's a he's like an incredible character actor and um, yes and he was in the Stepfather which came out in 1987 uh, he was of course. Uh, uh, a suspense, a thriller, and Jason has never seen it. I haven't. Yep. Makes... I haven't seen the remake either, which is oh, good. Cause... Thank God. Yeah, we'll go into yeah. that later. And, <laughs> um, yeah, so, but first, before we get started, Jason, I do believe we have a little uh, feedback action. Yeah. And it's from our good buddy, Kevin, from the Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast. And, Jason, what's the other one, Jason? Huh? Huh? Oh, huh? the Saturday B movie reel. Yes, <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> which, which we will uh, be making an announcement about um, in the uh, near future, as in like uh, by the end of this episode. So don't forget, Jason. Here's okay, a, here, here's, here's Kevin's forget. feedback. <laughs> hey guys, it's Kevin Batchelder from the Saturday B movie reel. Just wanted to call in with a couple of thoughts after listening to the most uh, recent uh, episode of yours about uh, House. That's a movie I barely remember. Not. A big horror fan, so I haven't seen it in forever. But uh, you guys do such a great job covering these that even if it's something I haven't seen forever or don't plan to rewatch, it's still very entertaining to hear you guys talk about it. You really do a great job. I got to thank you very much. There, always give me a smile. I really got a good kick out of uh, Joel mentioning the old search engine dog pile. Goodness, that brought back memories from forever when I probably was like you, using it via Prodigy at the time, the only internet we could get at uh, way way back. But uh, I also enjoyed. Uh, Commenting on your site, recommend other folks do it. You've got a nice setup there with the comments using uh, the Discuss plugin so we can all subscribe and see the threaded discussions. It's been a lot of fun with several of us in our uh, Catherine Mary Stewart fan club devotion. Well, looking forward to you guys uh, finishing the trifecta now that you've got Night of the Comet and Last Starfighter. we got to do Weekend Bernie's at some point, I hope, because uh, that would be a fun one, too. And, and finally, uh, Joel, don't. Don't pick too much on our uh, Mega Creature movies. You know that uh, folks like myself and certainly Jason are big fans. Uh, just because maybe Mega Snake or, or Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus or Mega Python versus Gatoroid or even Mega Piranha aren't your thing. But uh, we certainly do have some fun covering it. And uh, even next year, Roger Corman's producing one for a sci fi channel called uh, Piranha Conda. So I'm sure we're going to have fun with that one. But uh, either way, thanks, guys. You do a great job. Always enjoy it. Take care. Excellent feedback, Kevin, <laughs> and it's always, always, always smiled upon here at the Forgotten Flicks po podcast when someone acknowledges all my hard work. So thank you, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> and uh, Yo, so, what I heard was, "Don't hate on Shark the Puss." Oh, and and what I heard is uh, Snuffleupagus versus um, uh, Pino, Pino Pino Conda. And I would like to point out that his Piranaconda is uh, that's some sort of like creepy pseudo sexual thing like the, the... <laughs> it is the cross between the deadly piranha which we've seen in mega piranha is the deadliest creature on earth mm. and the giant mm. anaconda that's what she said Piranaconda. and i would like to point out my <laughs> anaconda don't want none unless she's got buns hun because you know piranhas are meaty. two side bends or sit-ups but <laughs> don't please don't lose that butt <laughs> So anyway, Woo! yes, yes, anyway, yes. Thanks for the call, Kevin. Yes, thank I you so much. I appreciate the support because I don't get it anywhere else. Yes, certainly not here. 
<laughs> and yeah, it was a great call as per usual. And uh, like Kevin pointed out, we actually have a new thing up on the site. It's a, a new commenting system. It's kind of cool if you you can actually register with uh, discuss. I want to say mm-hmm. discus every time I see it because D I S Q U S. Yeah. And you can sign up and uh, actually be notified when anybody uh, you know comments back to a thread, or if you leave a website, uh, leave a comment on another website that has it, it'll keep track of all that for you. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, and it's a neat little system. Yes, it is. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, thank you to Kevin. And uh, yes, I think eventually, well, we'll see about Weekend at Bernie's. Um, if I can make it through Weekend at Bernie's again, I understand Kevin Mary Stewart's <laughs> in it. <laughs> But if, if we can get Catherine Mary Stewart on as a guest, would you watch it then? Yes. Just so I can oh, have okay. the really awkward moment when I reveal to her something <laughs> inappropriate. I don't know. She's the third yeah. woman. You were like the fourth the woman. That, yeah, that I turned. I, I re- really, it's weird. I would like go into puberty and then I would revert back. <laughs> I think I see a hair. Oh, no, just kidding. No, it went back. Yep. <laughs> Yep. No, that's not mine. Oh, wait. What? And uh, yeah, so we will now, Jason, segue oh so eloquently. I can't. Why? Eloquent. We're doing some eloquently. (laughs) Eloquently into (laughs) the stepfather. Morrison isn't his real name. What is it? God knows we don't. His personal history was falsified. His prints were untraceable. It was possible Morrison had done it before. You can call me sentimental. I don't care. I have beautiful friends. I have a wonderful new family. So what do you think? Can we give this little guy a home? Sure. That's my girl. He's a wonderful man. And he wants to care for us. I don't know. I just... There's just something about him. Oh, that guy in Bellevue killed his whole family. Cut him up with knives. Maybe they disappointed him. All we need is a sword around here. You're a good boy. He's a good boy. Isn't he a good boy? Get back to the lane. Hi, honey. crazy creep. Don't you talk to your father that way. He's not my father. How can you even bear to let him touch you? Stop it! We have to talk, honey. About what? About what is happening to our family. I'm taking care of it. He scares me, Dr. Pondre. Who am I here? Help me! Help! You're a very bad girl. Stepfather. Okay, is it me or was that last note so straight <laughs> rip off of Friday the 13th? Zing, like the, the, yeah, the knife sound. Yeah. The, zing, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, The Stepfather from 1987, starring, if I like, I got to say it again, Terry O'Quinn, the ever so lovely Joe Sholin, uh, the equally talented Shelley Hack. Uh, it was directed by Joseph Rubin, who also did Dreamscape. He did Sleeping with the Enemy. He did uh, the movie that proved Macaulay Culkin really could be a psycho beyond just what he did in Home Alone with The Good Son. Also starring Elijah Wood, who uh, I'm pretty much convinced, I think, his growth spurt stopped about with that movie. So, 
<laughs> I'm kid. Elijah, I kid. I kid. Call me. Yeah, Have kid. your people call you my people. You're a good right? hobbit. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No CGI needed. It's beautiful. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. So it, uh, yeah, it, Joseph Rubin had done some other pictures, some other scary sort of pictures. I found it a little ironic if you uh, watched, I don't know, Jason, did you have a chance to watch the little behind the scenes Stepfather Chronicles on the disc? Uh, no, I, yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch that. Uh, yeah, okay. Way to slack. Way to slack, buddy. <laughs> I watched the movie the that truth. and the vast majority of the director's commentary. Um, truth is, my remote control broke for my DVD, so I could only play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess you're forgiven then. Yes, the uh, I you know what I hate is when you lose the remote control. Like I can't find oh, to get God. set somewhere. One of my kids picks it up and runs off and sticks yep. it in a toilet or something. And then I'm like, yeah. and it's like I can't. I was like, I don't want to play. I want the extras. <laughs> and the, yeah. you know, you think the little next button would do it? Nope. Sorry, nope. Charlie. Although I did learn a secret. Let me just give this out real quick. Apparently, I don't know if this works with Blu-rays. I know it works with DVDs now because I tried it. If mm-hmm. as soon as you get that little FBI, you know, Interpol, they're coming to get you, Barbara message that you can't ever fast forward past usually right uh, that you can't ever usually wow that was good it makes sense to me yeah it did me too so if you hit stop stop play (laughs) as soon as you see that it'll go right into the movie and bypass all that really Mm -hmm. it worked i did it like a code like a b b a yeah it's just with stop stop play yep (laughs) bypassed all the junk Wow. Yeah. So that yeah, that has to do with the stepfather. It happened with. That's how I found out because I did it with that. Uh, <laughs> it, anyway, um, uh, interesting uh, side note. Besides the fact that Joseph Rubin, who, again, who did uh, uh, The Good Son and Sleeping with the Enemy, some pretty suspenseful pictures, he apparently hates horror movies. And doesn't really? yeah doesn't like scary movies at all. This was revealed in the uh, behind the scenes stuff and during the director's commentary, which was actually hosted by Michael Gingold, who had been a, a co editor uh, Fangoria magazine for years and years and years. I don't know if he's still there or not, but I've actually been a fan of his for a long time too. But he he was interested because he like is hosting Joseph Rubin talking about the movie, and Gingold is this you know just loves horror movies, huge horror movie buff, and knows a ridiculous amount of knowledge about these movies. And he's talking to Joseph Rubin. He's like, yeah, I had to walk out of Halloween. Yeah, I, I watched. I, I left the theater during Alien and just kind of watched the crack in the door. I couldn't take it. It's like, okay, so let me get. <laughs> you could hear it in Gingold's, Gingold's voice. He's like, um, yeah, but you made. He's like, oh no, I love to make them. <laughs> he, he just can't watch. He can't watch them. Yeah, he said if he hadn't made the this these movies, he wouldn't have been able to watch them. Well, I guess the movie making process, it's you, because you're doing things out of order and you're doing things with well, you know, all the. I, I think what it is is because maybe you're, if you're really, you know, really can get it, yourself lost in a story and if somebody else made the movie, you obviously don't have all the baggage that goes along with knowing, you know, that right before you hit, you know, said action, one of the cameramen farted or, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or things didn't go right that day. You know, you have all the, the yeah, look, you, all the memory. You see the scene, yeah, you see the scene and think, oh, God, it took us 63 times to shoot this because exactly. of that stupid lamp. And da, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas, you know, when you're watching somebody else's movie, it's like all you're seeing is through the lens. If you're right. the one who made the movie, you're seeing everything outside of the lens. <laughs> hmm. I think it's the best way to look at it. So, uh, yeah, so it's, that makes sense to me. Um, but I just thought that was kind of an interesting idea that here's a guy who absolutely can't stand the horror films. And, and I think that w- one of the things he got into is that he didn't want to make the stepfather just another slasher film. Which yeah. I can appreciate. I mean, I, I, I did have my, my time in my misbegotten youth that I, I liked me a good slasher flick, but 
I guess as I've gotten older, I've just wimped out because not as into them anymore as I used to, although there's still a few <laughs> I appreciate. And uh, I wanted to also note that the writers on this movie, uh, pretty, pretty cool. Brian Garfield actually wrote the book, Death Wish, and uh, wrote some other stuff. He wrote the original story. I think this the screenplay was based on. And then Donald E. Westlake, who is a also a crime novelist, uh, really well known. He he also did the screenplay for the Grifters, and he uh, the movie. Remember the movie Payback with Mel Gibson? It was actually done yeah. prior to Mel Gibson. That was kind of a remake, but the uh, that that character had been in. You know, Donald E. Westlake created him in a novel, and so you know he had a, a background. And the whole story is actually based on loosely John List, who was an actual guy back in the very early seventies, like seventy one, killed his entire family in New Jersey, and you know. Did a very similar thing to like what the stepfather does. Oh, and before we get too deep into the movie, Jason, I was gonna say, yeah, spoiler. Oh yeah, hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. Huh. That, is that sounds it. like an, an 81 Datsun. Yeah, yeah probably <laughs> like a, gr- a three-cylinder. It's, it's, a, it's a gremlin. It's a gremlin. <laughs> it's a, it is. It's a gremlin. That yeah. works. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and as our little friend told us, spoilers ahoy, folks. Because when we talk yeah. about our feature movie, and in this case it's a stepfather, we're going to spoil the mess out of it. Of course. And this one's And this one's really hard to talk about. Anything yeah. without yeah, of course. giving some spoilers. Well, and, so. and truthfully, I think you could tell from the trailer. I mean, you know, O'Quinn's character is a nutball, and you know he's you know killing families. I mean, it's not like it's some big secret. However, you know, as we go deeper into it, we're going to give away some pretty big plot points. If you haven't seen mm-hmm. it, press pause or stop or delete, mm-hmm. as the case maybe as you want to do, and <laughs> uh, then come back to us later or uh, don't. Ah, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> You know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to pressure you. So, like I was saying, Brian Garfield, Donnie Westlake, you know, you got this kind of literary uh, sort of guys coming in, making this movie. And I know uh, Garfield talked about a little bit in the uh, behind the scenes thing that when he got the idea, it was inspired by this John List guy who, you know, lost his job, mm-hmm. uh, kind of went into this deep funk, didn't tell his family he lost his job and basically uh, set up a life beyond them. And, uh, Offed all of them and then went on to his new life. And I think he was on the lam for like 18 years living in suburbia with a whole new family. And then he was featured yeah. on America's Most Wanted, I think, around the time of the first season. Which, yeah. in a little twist, if I'm not mistaken, was 1987, the same year this movie came out. And uh, <laughs> Mr. List was uh, picked up. I don't think it was immediately thereafter, but in short order. Uh, mm-hmm. They actually had created it was one of the ones I remember because they created a bust that was of what he would look like now. And it was like just dead on. It was I remember actually when they showed that because they did several other episodes where they talked about John List. So it wasn't immediately following that original uh, airing on America's Most Wanted. They definitely had some years pass before I think they finally caught him. But they did catch him. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness. Or he might have married my mom. <laughs> and that would have just been <laughs> freaky. <laughs> So, so with yeah. that, should I give the synopsis? Um, I would love that, Jason. <laughs> uh, and I can't think of anything more profound than one of your synopses. <laughs> okay, so this is a story 
of Jerry Blake. And the movie opens with Jerry. He's but, kind yeah, of but, wait, mulling but, wait, Jason, I have to correct you. He's not. I'm sorry. He's, he's not Jerry when it opens. He's Morrison or what I remember the character's first name is. Yeah. But yeah. Right. Um, and he basically is kind of picking up, cleaning up around the house, and um, he gets naked. And uh, this movie <laughs> is the story of Terry O'Quinn's junk. That, that's it. I couldn't watch anything um, after it. Good night, it ladies was... and gentlemen. <laughs> good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's it. He, uh, he gets into a shower to clean himself off. He stands right in front of a full frontal mirror. And I was like, ah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw John Locke's <laughs> key. Yeah, it, it, well, of course, you have to kind of uh, you know state the idea that the first image you really get of this guy is him wiping steam off a mirror, and he's covered in blood. Yes, and I will, and basically, so he is kind of cleaning himself up. You know, something has gone wrong. But you don't really know what, and he sort of walks out to the hallway. He changes his look. He um, before he walks out the hallway, he trims his beard, shaves it off, cuts his hair. Um, kind of changes the way he looks, walks out to the hallway, sees a little kid's toy very quietly, calmly, walks over, puts the toy in the toy box, closes it, walks down to the living room and walks through this carnage of basically blood and gore all over the living room down at the base of the stairs and just calmly walks out with his briefcase full of his old stuff, walks out whistling uh, Camp Town Races and hops on a... Um, ferry because he is in seattle uh -huh. and uh when the ferry is going along he bumps his little suitcase off floats it down to the ocean and steps into his next life uh which is that with susan played by shelly hack and stephanie played by jill Sholin. and so that's kind of his next life and she's a troubled teen she's in gets in trouble at school suspended uh, gets in fights argues um shelly is a lonely woman and <laughs> she basically sees jerry who he's jerry now because in this life with them he's jerry blake uh she sees him as kind of there to take care of them and he's a good man and he loves us he wants to take care of us so um it's sort of sad in a way and it's you know it doesn't feel like love love it just kind of feels like that sad i need somebody kind of thing and then um he has these really awkward moments of <laughs> Life has to be perfect, including one of my favorites, which was um, Stephanie basically goes down to the basement at this party because he is a real estate agent in this life. And Stephanie doesn't really like him and, and something's wrong. She doesn't you know, trust him. She feels like he's just this weirdo. And she goes down to the basement to get ice cream for the party. And while she's down there, she's kind of mulling around in the corner by the freezer. Well, Jerry comes down, not knowing she's there, and goes off on this tirade, this – Mommy's perfect little man. Everything just needs to be in order. Yeah. And just we need a little order around here. <laughs> banging on the banging on the on the table and he's like, just need some order. Just need some Oh, hi, honey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just as oh, you know, people just need to let off some steam. <laughs> oh yeah. At that moment, my rear end would have jumped through that basement window and out into the backyard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he, he basically um, starts to progressively get crazier. She. Oh no, he's crazy thinks... the whole time. He just stops, he stops hiding it as well. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it, it, he starts to come unwound more, and he starts to get paranoid about people finding out who he is, um, because at one point Stephanie suspects that he might be this killer because 
the sub story to this is the first family he killed, the wife, um, she has a brother. I would say he's what? In his twenties, mid twenties or so. Yeah, I'd late twenties, early thirties, maybe. Late twenty. Okay, yeah. yeah, you know, and he's kind of this vigilante guy that's going to find his sister's killer, um, Stephen Shellen's name, and um, he's trying to track down where this guy went. And the police have no idea. And as you heard in the trailer, his fingerprints were, weren't matched to any real records. And um, so he's kind of trying to track it down. And all these little things start to happen that make Jerry think that hey, someone's getting on to me, including. Um, where Stephanie tells her psychiatrist, hey, he really scares me. You know, My stepdad really scares me. I'm really afraid of him. So he tries to do this little experiment where he pretends like he's buying a house, and he gets Jerry to show him this house, and he kind of teases him a little bit about, ah, I don't like all that family crap. Well, one of Terry's – well, Terry, Jerry. <laughs> one of Jerry's things is – family at all costs and i must keep this perfect family together and everything um and so when the doctor starts to kind of toy with that and say eh family's crap and all yeah he comes a little unwound and um a little bit bad things happen with the two by four yeah so um and so then he beats him to a bloody pulp and pushes him off a cliff and the burning blaze of fire and uh comes back to stephanie says i'm really sorry but your doctor had a terrible highway accident and um yeah so things start to come completely unwound uh with jerry until towards the end he realizes he must now abandon this family Mm -hmm. and move on to another one so he starts the whole process in motion again where he quits his job takes the next week basically starts to find a new family a new life and at the end of that time when he feels settled he decides he's going to now uh, get rid of his current family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is a climactic end, which I will not give the end of that generally away. Um, Boobies. But <laughs> we'll give that part away in a moment. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what happens. And yeah, that's the base. Basic. That's, yeah, the ba- for, that's the basement? That's it. Yes. There's lots of basement in this. Yes. yes Ontario lots. Quince junk. Yes. Which I know is your favorite part. <laughs> it was. <laughs> So here, here's here's the dealio. I said it once. I said it a million times. I've always been a fan of this movie. I have actually the theatrical poster hanging up in my my box that I work in, and uh, it, it's interesting because I think going back to the beginning, that uh, opening sequence when you know he comes, you see him cleaning himself up, putting on his new persona, and that whole build up, like when you first. You know, we start from outside the house and we push inside. A lot of this movie is reminiscent, I think, of the original Halloween. Uh, again, that original shot in Halloween where now that's more from, you know, what ends up you know being Michael Myers' point of view. But that slow <laughs> build up, you know, we go to the towards the house, then we're inside. And I think that aspect of showing him getting into the shower, all jokes aside, it's a it's a not so subtle way of showing a character in a very vulnerable position. I mean, the idea like in jaws, the girl, at the beginning skinny dipping, you know, yeah. doing that amps up the terror, having, having a uh, Marion crane and psycho in the shower when Norman walks in spoiler alert. And you know, those all, but what it is, it's like, it's scary enough to not know that there's somebody in the bathroom with you, you know, but it's, even you're more exposed, you're more vulnerable when you're butt naked and you got no well, real way to protect yourself. 
with with him, well, you know, one thing we mentioned, we should mention here is at the end of the movie, towards in the climax, when he comes home and he basically decides he's going to, you know, kill his family. Um, Stephanie is in the shower. She yes. has a shower scene yes. where um, she basically gets in the shower, and that's when Terry Quinn is downstairs with the mom and goes crazy. So in that moment, I felt like it was built up very much like she was extremely vulnerable, and that yeah. did amp up the yeah. terror. But for his scene... No, I know. I was, was going to get to... It, 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 it was inter- I think, but it's interesting that they would choose to do that with the yeah. killer right off the bat because, it again, it's usually reserved for the victims because I'm going to make an argument that this is 100% Jerry's movie, that he is the protagonist. And I think it's important because a lot of people hear protagonist versus antagonist. They think that means good guy versus bad guy. All yeah, that means, right. no, yeah. No, all no. that means for anybody that doesn't, you know, un- understand it, is that you know your protagonist is you, you know the person who drives the story. The choices they make are ultimately yep. what propel. And the antagonist is the person that's working against them. Well, I would argue this entire movie, Jerry wants the perfect family. He wants this perfect life, which, as we all know, is impossible. But that's beside the point. Stephanie keeps getting in his friggin' way. I think at one point the director <laughs> in the commentary even says that Stephanie's a pain in the ass. If she would just stop her crap. He'd have what he wanted, you know, but and the fact that eventually somebody would do something. I'm sure if, if people weren't as uh, openly defiant with Jerry as they end up being that eventually yeah, somebody would do something that would set him he off. Was, but he was close to it. I mean, there was a point in the movie where she thought, OK, in the beginning, she's she hates him. She's rebellious. She's uh, defiant. And she thinks he's this other killer guy. And then finally. Um, she kind of settles into, all right, maybe he's not bad. Because everybody around her is telling her, come on, you just got to give him a chance. He's really a nice guy. He's just trying to look out for you. So she finally gives in and is nice and accepts him. Yeah. And then there's the perfect family. But then she has to come home and while standing on the porch, a guy kisses mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. And Jerry just <laughs> Jerry just goes. He's trying uh, to rape our daughter. She's, she's only 16. Well, the best line is she, he goes, she's only 16. And the kid looks at him and goes, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I could have you arrested for this. Oh, yeah. She's only 16. <laughs> yeah. So am I. <laughs> yeah. That was a bit crazy. Um, so I, I, I agree with you. I think he was kind of the protagonist in this. And I think in the beginning that – I think what that scene did where he gets in the shower and he kind of cleans himself off because that's the same time he's changing his look. It's sort of to me – the, the scene where he walks down the steps, and I love the shot in the very beginning. He walks down these steps, and it's the pictures of the family. Nothing is amiss. Everything is fine. And then slowly the shot becomes disarrayed, and there's mm-hmm. a bloody handprint on the wall. Oh, yeah. It's that gradual then, reveal. It's awesome. Yes. It's a perfect reveal. It goes from nothing's wrong because yeah. you don't really see anything wrong except a little bit of blood yeah. on him. And everything seems kind of okay, and then it goes pans down, and the room is just a bloody mess. To me, him transitioning from that shower down was almost like he had cleansed himself of the entire situation. Yeah. And as he walked down that hallway, it was almost like he was completely separated from all of that. Yeah. Like none of that could touch him, and he just kind of walked down. Yep. He picked up a chair, set it upright, put the little pillow on the chair, wiped his hand off, mm-hmm. and all through this – this is the part of me that's watched way too many crime shows. All through this, I'm thinking, fingerprint there. Yeah, but fingerprint he, his there. fingerprints would be everywhere anyway. <laughs> That's the whole point. His fingerprints would be everywhere anyway. It was his house. You see what well, I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, no. his fingerprints, he would have no reason to even hide them because, but I think that's the point is that whoever he really was, that's the catch, is that he's done this so many oh, yeah. times that it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, they, yeah okay. When, when the lady's uh, brother 
goes to the detectives to say, "What do you know about him?" And they mm-hmm. kind of get, they kind of clear that part up and say, "Well, his fingerprints led nowhere because his identity was all fake anyway." Yes. So yeah, and, but, it, and then keeping in mind too, when this is 1987, uh, yeah. you know, forensics and uh, you know the the database of <laughs> of, yeah, of yeah. fingerprints <laughs> probably was. I hell even even in these days you still have you run into a lot of situations where just you know from state to state they you know can't get access yeah. to certain databases and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, and I think what was interesting is that another way you could look at it is it's almost like he's being reborn. I mean, he goes in yes. naked, he comes out, Clay said clean, he, he you know ascends yep. those stairs, he kind of just comes out he's just so calm and you know he's almost like when he when he picks the paper up he's just like if you even listen to the way he whistles that he's like I mean, it's got like a pep to it. Like he's, he's yeah. That's a good. That's a really, really good observation because the whole, uh, you know, being born naked. That that does. It did feel like kind of his rebirth. It yeah. was that moment. And yep. Um, and then he great. just dumps the last vestige. I gotta be yeah. I, I got to be honest. <clears throat> I knew this was a big favorite of yours. Yeah. I was really afraid going into this. <laughs> <laughs> because I promise because you, you I know I would kill you if you <laughs> don't like it. Because I know you know where I live. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> well, you did move recently, was, so you're you're okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but I I went into this thinking I've got to be honest about this. Uh-huh. But I was afraid that I would go into this. I'd like Terry O'Quinn's character, but I, I there would yeah. be something about it. You know, just man, wasn't be you know was a, not as good as I thought. Uh huh. I seriously, without lying to you, I hated this freaking movie. <laughs> this movie sucked, Donkey Tail. <laughs> was no, I'm just kidding. Huh? It was really good. Yeah, and I got to tell you, the things that surprised me is uh, Jill Sholin. Yeah, as Stephanie, she really played a great character, and it wasn't. She, she wasn't annoying. Yeah, she wasn't thing. annoying. She didn't caricature it. Yeah. you know. Well, because so many of those movies, whenever you have, obviously, the the sci-fi you know thriller horror movie uh sort of trope of uh the kid nobody believes them oh gee they sense the evil but nobody blah 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 blah. well oftentimes the kid is annoying and you're like you know i hope nobody believes your butt and the boogeyman gets you (laughs) shut up (laughs) and she's not like that she's so (laughs) earnest and like but without being annoying and she's just and, and here's the thing and this is the what the thing i really picked up this time i got to really take a step back i watched it but i didn't i i really was trying to study it more than watch it because well, i've seen it so many times it, yeah you know, yeah uh, and it had been in several years since i'd really you know since i'd watched it however i've again i've seen it you know three dozen times so it wasn't that big a deal for me to do this yeah. but i just sat there and i i actually wrote out like an outline with the structure of the story and it here's the thing you can tell real writers wrote this thing because everything about it the structure is so tight it's you know, this movie could have very easily been a li- a bad Lifetime movie, and yeah. it's so not. <laughs> and it, it, it's really yeah. – and you think about it, there's only not counting the opening sequence with the, you know, the bodies of the family, and it's, and it's done in this one shot. And this film is obviously, you know, shot in a more, I guess you could say, classic kind of way. It's, there's no fast cuts, lots of long yeah. takes. This was a low-budget movie. And I think they really knew what they had to work with, and so they just focused on, like, creating atmosphere and suspense – and what I really liked was that the character, uh, you know, in, in that opening sequence, you, you know, you have the bodies, but you also only have him kill on screen, like, two people. There's only, actually, I'm, 
Yeah, there's only two deaths. No. Yeah, yeah, there's only two deaths on screen. Oh, that's true. That's Not, true. Yeah, I yep. don't want to give anything away about right. the ending, but there's only yep. like two re- that, he, that he's responsible for on screen. So it's like, it's really, it's certainly not a slasher film. And what I really no. think it gets right is the old Hitchcockian idea of suspense. And that, you know, Hitchcock used to always say, and you know, I've talked about this before, that if you want, you know, to put a, you know, two people talking in a diner and a bomb goes off, that's not suspense. That'll, that'll make you go, oh, you maybe jump. That's not suspense. Suspense is two people talking in a diner and the camera slowly pushes in underneath the table as that they're sitting and you can see the counter clicking the down. Ticking. Yeah, it got 48 yeah. seconds left and it pulls back and we hold them on them and we hear them talking about things that make us care about them and we know what's about to happen and we're, and we, you know, little things tip us off to, okay, maybe they'll get up and get away in time. And that is suspense. Suspense is the gun lowering to the head the cocking back of the hammer, the buildup, the release and the brains hitting the wall. Well, that's a catharsis and it's a release. It's not suspense. This movie gets suspense, right? Because we know who the killer is through the whole movie. We know how much danger everybody's in. And other than Stephanie, who only just senses or something off with the guy, nobody does because yeah. he's good. You know, he's really good. Know, <laughs> the, the suspense in this definitely through the filmmakers and the writing. I didn't feel like. You know, going into this, I thought this was going to be more of a slasher flick, but yeah. I thought he was going to be more of like the murdering killer, I got you, yeah. you know, scary guy type. He wasn't. As a matter of fact, a lot of times he didn't come across as being that scary no. as you would a typical murderer, you yeah. know, like somebody you know is in a horror film or even, yeah. you know, I mean, I equate it to like a character like a Michael Myers or yeah. Jason or things yeah. like that. But yeah. the, the suspenseful moments were things like at one point she thinks. This that her stepfather might be this other murderer. So she writes a letter to the newspaper and says, "Please send me a picture of this other murderer guy." Well, one day, oh, yeah, that's great. Jerry Blake goes out to the mail and he's flipping through the mail and there's this big Manila envelope from the Seattle Post or whatever the newspaper yeah. was, and he opens it and he just reach. It's really a slow scene. He reaches in and pulls out this full eight by ten photograph <laughs> of himself of himself as the other guy with this beard and all this, that moment, that was a suspenseful. Well, yeah. Well, especially because because at that moment, right behind, he's, he's kind of looking at it. His face goes cold and behind him, Stephanie comes up on a 10 speed. And this is the point where she's kind of neutral about him. And she's like, uh, Hey, what's going on, Jerry? And, he just stands and the way, there. And his back's to her. And his back's yes. to her. And just the way he, and he just turns around and he just immediately, like, he flips a switch and his smile, he's like, he's like, hey, Steph, you know? Oh, no, he goes, I have something for you, okay. but I don't know if it's appropriate for yeah, you. Yeah, because she asked if she got any mail. And he goes, yeah. he goes, well, yes, but I don't, I don't know if it's appropriate for a girl your age or something to that effect. And then she, and, then and he, he just kind of holds yeah. that smile there for a moment. And you and, can see that look on her face like, uh-huh. Uh-oh. And then he's like. Oh, I guess it's okay. And he pulls out a Cosmo magazine. And let me and let me make this point too about the movie that this really stood out to me. That moment, for instance, in so many other movies, that kind of thing happens. And my usual response would be, "Why the hell would she have not like? Why would she have had it come to her house? Why wouldn't she have tried to intercept the man?" But it. But here's the thing: number one, she's a 16 year old kid. Okay, you know, you're gonna do something. Yeah. 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 Second, though. The fact that she see, she made a comment – what did she make a comment about being home early? And she did. Said, she goes, oh, you're home early. Yeah, like she Gary. wasn't expecting like, oh, him yeah, to be there. Fell through or something. And it was almost as if she was getting – you know, basically she was coming home specifically because she was expecting it. And yes. and there was those kind of moments throughout the movie where a character would do something that in a lesser 
in a, I guess, a less quality of writing in, a, in the movie, the way it was integrated in, you would have been like, really? Why? Whoa, that's convenient. But it never <laughs> felt that way. It really never did. No. I mean, even the no, point when she goes into the doctor, I don't want to give anything away, but when she goes back into that doctor's office towards the end and finds that, you know, the clue, it's yeah. the way it's set up. And it's so, even her reaction to it, it's not like one of those like, oh, oh I knew it. I'm so validated yes. in my hatred. You know, it wasn't like that. It was like, oh, huh, that's weird. <laughs> well, that's what I mean about her characters is that the way she acted it out. She didn't do the hair twirling, pulling on the bubble gum thing. Yeah, she wasn't kind a moron. Overacting. Yeah. She did a very, very mellow portrayal of, I think, a very good teenager. And yeah. it came across and it was not over the top yep. or you know, exaggerated. Like if she saw that clue and she was like, Oh my God. No, it was just okay. And then she kind of moved on, but she played it very real because when she was in that doctor's office, it was after his death. And, um, she was doing it almost just because she was sad. It wasn't a Nancy drew. I'm going to figure this guy out. Any of that mess. It was, I think it was just really, really played out well. So, um, and I, and I'll be honest with you and we have it. I don't think we could spend the next 20 minutes just talking and I just can't, how amazing Terry O'Quinn is because I am sorry in lesser hands that would have been the either the goofiest <laughs> over the top I mean because it, it is over the top there's certain parts where it's actually almost funny his reactions but at the same time it's so creepy and and I think the reason why he is scary and in a sense a lot scarier than a Jason or a Freddy is because dude he could exist he could be there. He could be living next door to you, and you wouldn't know it. That's the point. Because you think about it, yeah. all these moments of weirdness. Either you know, Stephanie saw him in the basement. They're always in the basement, generally. He he held it together really well. Yeah, there was some tells, but it goes back to most people don't assume. You know, like like when it's in the trailer too, when they're at the little barbecue and the party thing you were talking about, and you know people are talking about that murder. You know that it was oh, the, yeah. Yeah, that happened <laughs> yeah. a year or whatever before, and and again, any other movie, it would have been this contrived. Like, why are they bringing this up? Well, because they properly set up that the woman who was murdered by Terry O'Quinn's character, her brother, asked this, you know, like you said, this reporter to rerun the story. He did. Yeah. That coincided with this party, which was a topic of conversation. And their point, and what I loved is they're talking about it in the sense of blaming the newspaper. Well, why are they judging this crap up? Blah, 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 yeah. blah. And Terry O'Quinn's character seems very upset by it. Yeah, he's bothered. And then as they're asking... <laughs> they say, can you believe this guy killed his yeah, why would, family? Yeah, how could somebody do that? with a knife. Yeah, how could somebody do that? And then just, maybe they disappointed him. And then, and it's like you met, and, the, and what I love is they don't cut <laughs> to their reactions. You never see them react. You hold no. on him, and you look, he's staring down at the newspaper as he's, as he's folding into a hat. And, and then, <laughs> yeah, then do a pirate hat. Yeah, do a, yeah, yeah. And, and, and he looks, and he just looks up, and just again, flip a switch. He just smiles. Yeah. Oh, come on. This is supposed to be a party. I, he's like, I'm just joking. He didn't say he was joking. He never says, I'm kidding. <laughs> come on. It's a party. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I wish there had been more moments of him going from that really dark place. Yeah. To flipping that switch to being the perfect dad because the moments that that happened was really powerful. Yeah. But there was a lot of kind of in between. I thought they could have really stretched that a little more. The only thing that I felt hard, I thought was a little hard to believe about this was, you know, I love Terry Quinn. I especially loved him as John Locke. He's kind of the sage guy, and um, I loved him in this movie. And but he was not exactly a looker. So the idea that he could just bounce into a new town and pick up a new family in a week? <laughs> well, yeah, but here, no, no, it wasn't a week. It was a year later. And and I get the impression that it was 
that he must have met her. They, 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 you know, they courted for a few months and he asked her to marry. Now, taking into consideration, she was a widow. She's got a teenage daughter. She's you know, yeah. got all kinds of emotional issues. He's extremely charming. He's not a bad looking guy. I would say he looked a little more goofy in his new life that he's setting up there towards the end. Um, but, yeah, but, right. again, the, the but again, he per- it's, it's like in, a, in, the, in that sort of classic predatory way, he senses and finds and preys on people that are vulnerable and they're well, susceptible to his ability yep. to to do what they want they want family they want a guy who's going to sweep them off their feet they don't care about you know how he looks yeah but his first okay so in the second one that that works out and even in the third his third family that he starts to set up it actually starts to look good like that but in the first one even looking at the family pictures of him that scraggly looking yeah. beard and the scraggly hair and it's like yeah he looks like a predator. <laughs> but, well, well, yeah. The thing is, is that I also assume while well, he's done it before, I think that that family, I, I get, I almost feel like it was, it had, he'd been with them longer. You know what I mean? Like I imagine yeah, that yeah. that over time that he had been with them longer. You know, and we don't know obviously what he looked like initially when he met them. Uh, we don't know how long. And and that and this is so important. I would have kicked myself. I hadn't brought this up. One <laughs> of the things I absolutely love about this movie. And they talked about it behind the scenes. And it was something I'd always thought about, but it, w- it was just nice to hear them talking about it this way. Original, The original draft had some pretty involved scenes, flashback scenes involving him as a child being abused. Because if you listen yeah. to, like, you know, when he's in the basement, he's flipping out and Stephanie's watching, Radio Order. If you listen to the things he's saying, he gives yeah. clues throughout the whole movie about the things that happened to him. And you're assuming. He said something like, Mama's little boy. Yeah, and he says, he's a, he, and all of a sudden, he'll, he's vo- it's almost like uh, Mrs. Voorhees, because you know, his voice almost turns like <laughs> yes. to a child. He goes, Just let me out. Let me out of here. Let me out. <laughs> and it's like, so you, imagine, you just picture him as a little kid being locked away in some dank, probably a basement or something, yeah. and, and just, you know, and being a you know, horrible. But they never show it. They never over-explain it. He just yeah. is. And, and yeah, I've complained to you a million times about it. it drives me flipping nuts when storytellers, especially when they remake movies or yeah, when they have to explain every expo- freaking detail. Yeah, and I know, and happens, I know, yeah. and I know you didn't load the Rob Zombie Halloween remake, but the thing that drives me up the flipping wall is I don't give a crap what he came from. That first off, the original Michael Myers was scary because he was the boogeyman. The original <laughs> Halloween is in fact a true like and we I was just telling you this today. I was going to make the argument stepfather is not a, a a horror film in the classic sense of that word. Now that no, word no, has really become isn't. extremely distorted and it means all sorts of stuff. It means, you know, everything yeah. from, you know, a movie where a chick's being tortured for 2 hours to uh, a a movie where, you know, it's barely got any it's got like a little sci-fi element but it's kind of dark so they call it horror it's like no traditionally horror films had some element of the supernatural or at the very least the unknown to them and i think over time because a lot of the films like seven and kiss the girls those to me those are those are very very dark thrillers very very dark crime thrillers but they're not horror films well, and I think it has to do with there's some sort of horrific can, stuff in them for sure. I mean, I want to make sure yeah. I make that point. This this movie definitely didn't have the level like you brought it up. I mean, he really only on screen kills two people, and they only allude to the other stuff. Yeah. But the fact that he's a freaking psychopath is made clear throughout. And yeah. it's more about the suspense than it is the act of yes. killing and the. Well, act and I don't of think, and, I, and that's the thing stuff, is, I think so. horror. And that's the other problem. I don't think horror. 
you know, maybe it became that, but I don't think it was initially. As, and the other problem is it's so subjective. You get into, first of all, genres yeah. as a way to categorize a specific movie, you know, it was a marketing you know, play okay. We got you know we got to yeah, you know yeah. put them in something. We got to market it some way. So let's call it a horror picture. I mean, it was a it started, bar- with, it's, it started with video stores because they needed something to call that wall where they put these movies, and they need something to call that wall. <laughs> well, it, where they it definitely. Put these I think movies, it so definitely you, happened. I, I think you could probably make even a, a better argument. It happened more, way more with uh, uh, drive-ins, and uh, and it was it was around even before that. But I think that the key. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the key though is that it doesn't. Oh, Boris Karloff used to refuse to call calling his movies horror movies because to him horror was a feeling and it was mainly just a feeling of disgust. So if that is the criteria, well, then, yes, plenty of movies that get called horror movies today would qualify. He always called them terror pictures because he thought they were more about invoking terror and giving people the creeps than they were about just making them feel disgusted. So. You know, and I and I tend to subscribe to I prefer the horror in the creepy unknown, you know, something's watching you kind of way than I do. Just I don't want to feel like I need a shower and I want to scrub my does, eyes with like Brillo pads and Ajax um, so, after so does watching. That mean, does that mean I can call When Harry Met Sally a horror movie? How's that, that disgusted me? Oh, well, yeah, that's fine. Not good. Uh, I, I would yeah. think You Got Mail would be more appropriate. Oh, The Lake. Ugh, oh, the lake God out. almighty. <laughs> Yeah, talk about a cluster. Wow. <laughs> so anyway. Okay, so. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> one one <laughs> quick more one quick scene I, I did want to also okay, add to this okay. that I thought really added to the whole crazy factor. Um, at one point, he's showing a house to a family uh-huh. with a little girl, and uh, she's like, I don't like the house. And he says, did I tell you it has a swing set? So oh, yeah. he goes out back to push this little girl, who I'd say is probably six Maybe seven. Yeah, yeah, maybe somewhere in there. Yep, she's in a little dress, and he's alone with her in the backyard. It's eighty-seven. Her on the swing. It was a different time, Jesus. <laughs> well, keeping a mind. So, yeah, well, here, here's the thing: the parents are looking at the house. I don't get the impression that they were like they no, left. No, no, but but the the part that I liked was you know, that's aside. But the part that I liked was he's pushing her, saying, "I have a daughter too. Her name's Stephanie. She goes to Oak Ridge High School." And he's pushing her, and uh-huh. then um, she says something, and he's like, "Yeah, my." Jennifer didn't like it either. She's like, I thought you said your daughter's name was Stephanie. And he gets that far away look yes. in his eye and he's like It's that oh, same yeah. it's the same look where he gets when he who who am I here? Yeah, that Harry. was awesome. I, lo- that- I love that moment. That is such a cool. Yes. Because that's the thing about the movie. And honestly, I-, I would say this is definitely a Hitchcock. Like I could see Hitchcock having made this movie or some variation of it. Especially with all his daddy issues and everything. And it you actually go ahead. I could have even seen this movie work in black and white. Yeah, I could see this being like a classic, like 1930s or 40s, you know, or even 50s, you know, and actually having Jimmy Stewart or somebody play the stepfather, somebody completely, you know, out of left field. That would be great. Yeah. And and I think, you know, what was, you know, what was really interesting about it were all these, whether they were intentional or not, but there was all these different echoes and illusions. And, you know, there is an element of, uh, you know, Hitchcock did a film called Shadow of a Doubt, uh, where it involves a you know, little girl, a young woman in a small town. And her uncle is a guy who suspected, a, you know, she begins to suspect. Um, she, in that case, she actually really looks up to him. And yeah. but she suspects he's a killer. And, and it's very suspenseful. But there's moments in that that were similar. Like I said, there was echoes of Halloween, like when the uh, we didn't really get a lot into the subplot of the uh, the brother who's hunting him, which, I, by the way, I think was a brilliant touch for two reasons. One, because it helps propel the story. So every if you had just stayed with the stepfather or that whole situation, I think in an hour and a half it might have gotten old. But because you had this other 
element you could kind of go. And actually, you almost had three different stories. You had Stephanie's investigation, the stepfather's you know attempts to keep order, and the brother, the, the former brother-in-law, hunting him down. So it allowed you to jump around and felt the story constantly felt like it was in motion. But I, without giving anything away, he was one hell of a great red herring. <laughs> it is great. Yeah, it was. It was definitely one of those. It was definitely one of those moments in a movie where you think, okay, this is a major element in the movie, and we've talked about this before. Yeah. The people who you think are, and I won't give anything away with this, but the, pe- the storylines or parts of stories that you think are um, the center or yeah. the safe part, or you know, this is what's going to happen. You think you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. This was definitely one of those. Whoa, whoa, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> whoa. Huh? No. Yeah. No. What? Yeah. yeah. And so. Yeah, because they yeah. definitely, you know, and again, I mean, we're, we're without giving too much away. Uh, we've already given the spoiler alert. Uh, I, I think that he is definitely set up. You assume he's going to be the hero in some way. You right. Ass- you assume that he is going to save the day in some way, and that's where I'm going to leave that. But I right. think the other thing that was cool are just like little things, like the fact you had that you talked about the handprint when he first comes down the stairs at the beginning, yeah. the bloody handprint. Well, a little later on, Stephanie gets in the fight. She leaves a handprint. Do you remember how she pushes her hand? Yep. On the on the teacher's shirt, and it, these are little touches, those little echoes. Little, and the thing is, is that in any other movie. Things that would have played as one-liners in this one just play as beautifully ironic. Like when she gets expelled, you know, what's your stepfather going to say? Oh, he's going to kill me. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just, but she didn't overdo it. Yeah, it wasn't, like, it wasn't know, like those, like, look at the, the camera. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> or like when he would, you know, he would talk about, um, oh, uh, oh, gosh, it was a couple I didn't, I don't think I wrote them down. Let me check my notes real quick. But. I, oh yeah, yeah. When he, when uh, when she gets, she says something to him. He goes, "Up, oh, guilt." Oh, she calls him old fashioned. Yo, dear, he's just so old guilty as charged. Yeah, and, and he, yeah. tell, he tells Stephanie, <laughs> yeah. hey, "Steph, let's just bury the hatchet." I mean, just these little. Yes, that one was great. There was lines throughout the whole movie like that. And <laughs> and one thing I'll say because I actually saw, I did see this before I saw Stepfather Two, but I remember the re- I found out about the Stepfather because Stepfather Two played on uh, paper. Remember back in the day when like pay per view was like a big deal. Because oh, yeah. it was the only, you know, other than premium channels, you, had, you got movies on pay-per-view. And yep. they were always really appropriate movies, too. I might <laughs> and, uh, Joel, what, what's this What's this uh, Easy Riders on the bill that you, oh, uh, Dad, that was um, the movie. I thought it was the movie with Dennis Hopper, the classic art <laughs> indie film from the 60s, the hippie movie, Dad. I was just trying to broaden my horizons. I didn't know. It was a different kind of movie wait, altogether. Wait, it's called Easy Gliders. What? <laughs> oh no, it was called Easy Riders. I believe the original oh. called Easy Rider. Uh, anywho, um, <laughs> but I digress. But I remember they always had because they on would pay-per-view. play. Yeah, on pay per view, they would play a loop of different like promos for movies that were coming out. And I re- oh, yeah. and yeah. I remember they would always play this, and it was like the truncated you know, kind of uh, previews and they always mm-hmm. played the preview for stepfather two over this period of like a summer for like two weeks straight. And I remember thinking, Oh, that looks awesome. And of course I didn't see it until I saw, you know, after I'd seen the first one, but there was something about it. It was even in that promo when he whistles camp town races. Now, according to the director, originally they wanted him to whistle the way we were the Barbara Streisand song, but they couldn't get the rights to it. It was too expensive. I'm really glad they didn't use that. Cause for some reason that would have just, the way we were. Yeah, and, and, and it was, and and the fact that the Camp Town Races was such a, like you said, a peppier song. Yes. It was kind of like, and the way he did it, yes. it just came across as perfect. Oh, and it's so innocuous, and it's such, it's this old public domain song that any, you know, you can hear anybody whistling, and there's just something about it, and it's it's really because I will say this, Stepfather Two, 
is way more of like a slasher flick kind of movie. And there's a lot more yeah. in it. But for some reason that I always just found, I just liked it. I don't know why I liked it, but I just, I thought it added an element to his yeah. character that was just interesting. You know, the fact that he, after he, and if you, if you pay attention, he only does it either right before or right after he's getting ready to do his thing. Like, and he kills the doctor, it's right afterwards, he's whistling it. It's yeah. right before he goes in to take out Stephanie yep. and her mom. Yo, he just, he's whistling it. So it's only at, at those times. He doesn't whistle it any other time in the movie. So with that, would you like to move into six movies that have parents way more screwed up than yours? Yeah, I would love to do that, Jason. And I would also like to, um, real quick, in case uh, the, the good folks listening out there didn't guess, um... I actually really like this movie. I think you should flick it. <laughs> you could probably go on for another, what, three, yeah, four minutes? Yeah, I probably minutes? could. It's really kind of <laughs> more minutes. Oh, good Lord, man. Oh, no. I was going to get into how the house that Morris, when he was at the beginning, it looked like the house on Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I was going to get, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had, I, had, I, had, I had a lengthy list of notes. Let's just put it that way. We can make it a two-parter if you want to keep going. No, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll break here. We'll break. Break! <laughs> Let's go into our picks. Jason, would you like to start us off with your your fascinating, your, your interesting pick? Now, I will like to point out that Jason and I had decided, because, you know, these are movies where the parents are all screwy, I'm doing, a, I'm doing the dads. <laughs> you can wait do a minute. The dads. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, wait. This isn't right. This came out wrong. Um, Jason is going to do all the moms. Basically because, you know, he's got the most estrogen of the two of us. <laughs> I get to do the moms. You get to do the dads. He's like the bearded lady. We'll Jason is like the, the bearded lady. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we decided to split up genders. So I will cover the mom movies that are crazy. Um, and you cover the dad movie. So my first one is the newest of my group, but one that I absolutely love because it's funny. Uh, it's a dark comedy, but it's very funny. It's Serial Mom starring Kathleen Turner the mm, very good-looking Kathleen Turner, but this was... Well, an, uh, you want to say it in the past tense? Um, well, yeah, she's older now, but in her prime, she was she was stunning. So Yeah, yeah, she was. Um, yeah. Yes, so this is 1994, and Kathleen Turner basically plays this soccer mom, suburban, perfect mom, but she has a psychopathic side, and, and it is just... It's really funny because there are things that happen and it just snaps her. Um, you know, teacher says something to her that the bad about her kids, and in the parking lot, the teacher happens to be in front of her car when no one's looking, and she runs him over. And at one point, her daughter's boyfriend, who her daughter is Ricky Lake, yes, in yes, this movie, yep. and her husband is played by Sam Waterston, yep, who yep. Uh, I absolutely adored and loved in all the Law and Order, um, the seasons of Law and Order. He's fantastic, he is a great but. Basically, someone dumps her – this boy dumps her daughter, and so she offs him. And the whole thing is really just – she's oblivious to this. It just makes her happier, and she just seems like she is on um, some kind of, of happy meds this entire time. In the end, they actually – she goes to trial, and there's this entire sequence of her – oblivious to the fact that she has just murdered all these people over the series of the last, you know, I guess in the movie it's a couple of months, but um, – and she just plays the part so perfectly well. It's a lot like Terry O'Quinn's happy face where there's some darkness behind it. She does that very well also. So yeah. I would have loved to have seen her in more kind of roles of that psychopath that keeps that facade really well. But it's a funny movie. It's 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 actually really cute, um, despite the fact that Ricky Lake's in it. I'm not a big fan of her acting, but um 
she uh, Kathleen Turner just steals the show. So Serial Mom, nineteen ninety four. Excellent Minor. pick, my friend. Excellent pick. Um, you did mention John Waters directed it, right? Yes, and I'm sorry, John Waters wrote and directed now, this movie. Yeah, I'm gonna say because uh, I have a really strong feeling because I know for a fact at least one person that does listen to the show would have <laughs> kicked me in the teeth. Dude, really? You didn't even yeah, mention would, Waters, uh, really? I was like, oh, sorry, my bad. Sorry, I'm trying to keep it quick. I We're know, I know, I know, <laughs> guys. Like we, it's almost like we picked a movie that I like to talk about a little. We should have had the two picks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it. well, then the, it would be kind of uh, sad me going into my next pick because actually my ne- my pick is Stepfather Two. <laughs> Look, it was this or the boy we who cried werewolf. Should have done two picks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I, uh, I I was this or the boy who cried werewolf. And that's all I'm saying yeah. on that one. Just look it up. I don't know why. I like that movie. Go yeah. figure. So, yes, it also stories the great Terry O'Quinn. He did not star in Stepfather Three. Um, I believe Stepfather Two also had the awesome uh, subtitle. May uh make room for no was it make room for daddy, was it make room for daddy? Whoa, was it make room for daddy? What the heck was the? I'm up to hold on. I normally don't like to do this. I am of course having to use a little a little IMDb action for my leaning uh, over to the laptop. No, it is. It was make room for daddy. Ah, I was right. Oh, Son of a gun. Look okay. at me. Look at me. But yes, it also starred Meg Foster. She of the awesomely creepy icy blue eyes, a la Daniel Craig. You know the lady from. Uh, uh, when he, uh, the Leviathan, and yeah, she was yeah. in um, uh, They Live, of course, and some other great movies. She was also in Blind Fury. Ah, yeah, well, briefly, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she plays uh, Carol Grayland. Um, the the basic story is Jerry, and I'm not giving away anyway. Although I will tell you, do not look up the trailer on YouTube if you haven't seen this. I don't want to spoil it. I swear to you, it was like somebody just took the movie and did like. Like I'm like the two minute Reader's Digest version and showed you the entire movie literally. Like at the uh, end of the trailer, you that. you literally see the final battle between some main characters with like knives being plunged into people and like <laughs> I was like oh, they did everything but roll the end credits in this trailer. Mm. It was ridiculous. So, but this is definitely way more of a slasher film. Uh, Jerry uh, or whatever you know the man the stepfather is in an asylum at this point and he's you know they're counseling him dealing with him well long story short he escapes after a bloodbath and <laughs> he becomes dr gene dr gene clifford and dr gene you know finds another small town finds a new family now this one he's not married yet he actually you know finds one of his neighbors and you actually kind of see this would be maybe had he succeeded at the end of stepfather when he finds that new family like, this would have been what would have happened how he get you know becomes their neighbor he gets to know mm. them etc cetera, etc cetera. well meg foster is that neighbor she has a son played by the late jonathan brandis and uh who was in member uh sequest dsv and uh was it yep. uh, ladybugs was that the one with rodney dangerfield yes, yes. yeah and some others the soccer coach yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, he plays her son and of course much like stephanie before him he senses something odd about Dr. Gene and <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it progresses, but somebody specifically that really doesn't like the guy is uh, Meg Foster's character, Carol's best friend, Maddie, who is played by Carolyn Williams, who also played stretch in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, the one with Dennis Hopper. She mm. was the radio DJ uh, that kind of ends up becoming the, uh, the final girl as it were. So it's a, a lot more violent, a lot more bloody, a lot more of a slasher flick, um, as is Stepfather 3, which Tara Quinn was not in. Um, <laughs> Stepfather 3, I actually, it's funny, it's one of those movies that I, I think it was released straight to HBO or DVD at the time, and 
I actually liked it, but I'll be darned if you can find it anywhere. Like I, Netflix doesn't have it. They don't even have it as, you know. Really? Yeah. I don't even think they had it as a save. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they didn't have they, they got Jim Cotta <laughs> as a save or Jim Cotta. <laughs> they don't even have stuff on the three as a save. Youch. And I seem to remember somebody like I think at one point he dresses up as an Easter bunny because it's like during Easter. I don't know, it's weird. He, they they explain it not being Terry Quinn in that they give him plastic surgery at the beginning. Oh, it's one of those kind yeah. of movies. Yeah, it's not. It can't no. be good. Like my my sense memory of it is total C and D. I have no doubt it is one hundred percent cinematic nostalgia disorder. No mm. doubt. But that being said, Stepfather two, nineteen eighty nine. Make room for Daddy. <laughs> okay, that's the end of your picks. Okay, because your next one's going to be Stepfather three, and I'm just no, it's out, not. So. I already let it. I already <laughs> talked about that. One. No, my my next one's okay. far worse than Stepfather three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, mine is relatively. My next two are actually relatively easy, and I won't go into great detail. Other than um, my next one is Carrie from 1976, based on the Stephen King classic of the same name, actually directed by the one of the greats uh, in the industry, Brian De Palma who did Scarface and The Untouchables and Carlito's Way and um, If you say Snake Eyes, I'm going to just disconnect Skype. (laughs) No. Um, But it stars Sissy Spacek as this tortured teenager who has these telekinetic powers and she's kind of discovering them. And her mom is, played by Piper Laurie, this complete cuckoo, cuckoo crazy I mean, Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs kind of crazy, and uh, she thinks that she can torture, beat, or pray the devil out of Carrie. Um, and let's just say that through the course of the movie, she kind of gets her comeuppance. So, uh, but she is definitely way wacky crazy, and in any list you look at, she is one of the worst, uh, craziest TV. I mean, uh, movie parents of all time yes um but this is another one you brought that up with the with the last one this is another one where the trailer kind of gives away the ending yeah, so i know whole, don't you love whole, that yeah i mean i know it's the key scene and it's what everybody knows it as when she's at prom but do you really have to give it away in the trailer i mean yes they do. Uh, anyway i'm i'm preaching to the 40 year old movie so <laughs> yeah no you're preaching to the choir anyway, too, totally carrie agree. 1976 yeah good good pick so my next pick freddie's dead the Step final nightmare three. What what'd you say? He said Father Three. Uh Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, nineteen ninety one. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this will be the final episode. Um no, I picked this one and actually you would you remember what I told you, Jason, about my spoiler alert my spoiler alert concerns? Because if I yes. yeah, I actually having rewatched the trailer because it's been a low I actually saw this in the theater opening weekend, people. This is right up there with Leprechaun and Dr. Giggles for me. Opening week. I think I was there, maybe there on opening day. And this, the great mm. thing about this movie was it was, quote, unquote, 3D, except the whole movie wasn't. It was, to like, towards the end, and it was, like, just one segment. So you had to, like, sit there with your glasses in your lap and anticipate when this stupid mm. 3D part was coming up. It was directed by Rachel Talalay, who also did uh, Tank Girl, and she did some other TV stuff and whatnot. Uh, of course, starred the great Robert England, this you know, mm-hmm. new movie notwithstanding. Uh, Lisa Zane, <laughs> who is a uh, sister to Billy Zane. Uh, it also uh, had a great cameo. Great cameo with Roseanne and Tom Arnold when they were married <laughs> for like that week that they were married. On a much cooler note, it also has Yafet Kodo, who's in it. Uh, Brecken Meyer is in it. Uh, they have Johnny Depp listed as uh, kind of this... He was on the TV in the background as Oprah Noodle Man 
Spectra something. <laughs> and what? I, I, that's what it says. So I, I'm, I, I think it would be kind of cool if, if I go back and look and he actually has got this little itty-bitty cameo in this movie because he was in the first mm. one. But uh, I'm not. I, I, sometimes I don't trust IMDb on that kind of stuff. So uh, I'll check. <laughs> yeah. I'll verify. I'll trust but verify. So, yeah. So Freddy's dead. I picked it not for the reason you might think if you've seen the movie. No, no. <laughs> I picked it because the worst father is Alice Cooper. He was Freddy's dad. <laughs> There's a flashback sequence where you're uh, doing the exact same thing I say I hate. <laughs> they show Freddy's background, his history. Now, we always knew he was the bastard son of a thousand maniacs or a hundred maniacs, whatever the hell it was, a hundred, I guess. Um, yeah, a thousand, boy. But one maniac. She, she would have she been. Yeah, because a thousand, you know, you know, doing something horrible to a nun is so much worse than a hundred. Yeah, really. <laughs> I think there comes a point where it's like, really. Oh, but the worst of all is. Alice Cooper doing it to a nun. So. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> good point. Now, I guess he would have been his stepfather, actually. Oh, so it even ties in even better. Oh, nice. Oh, save. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah, so the Coop Man is totally in this. <laughs> so he was connected with not one, but two mega horror franchises from the 1980s. Wow. Because he obviously did Man Behind the Mask. And Wait, wait for it, people. Oh, it is back. He's the man behind the mask. And he's out of control. Oh, God, I love that song. So, yeah, on that note, um, Freddy's dead. You are a horribly, horribly disturbed man. You know that. <laughs> yes, I know I am. I love that song, man. Oh, you don't uh, love that song? How do you not love that song? <laughs> so my next pick <laughs> is probably the worst parent ever, ever in the history of movies, uh, notwithstanding you know horror movies where they turn out to be killers and all this mess or there are some zombie ears like in Dead Alive. But <laughs> no, this is the worst, closest to reality parent and it is mommy dearest from 1981 and it is the story <laughs> it's actually true it? yeah i've seen i've seen bits of it i've never actually seen it from beginning to end yeah. i have to be, I've I have watched to it from beginning to end it's a very dramatic i know this line uh, i know this line no wire hangers <laughs> yeah. yeah she actually goes on a complete diatribe about that but there's more and so it's basically this. It's supposed to be the story of Joan Crawford, and without getting into great detail about the drama behind the real story and all, it's it stars Faye Dunaway, who plays Joan Crawford, who believes that her superstardom is not complete uh, with her, you know, boy toy husband, you know, her famous actor husband, and her, uh-huh. um, and her great life with stardom. She needs a child, and um, she adopts a baby, and then they kind of go through her growing up, and she is this absolute maniac narcissistic the world has to revolve around her and what She's what a happens maniac, is maniac. It, sorry <laughs> yes as she ages she falls out of uh, stardom because she's getting older and she's not as uh, desirable in the movies and um so she gets even crazier but the great part about this movie is they do this incredible um interplay between her daughter mm-hmm. and most of it is when her daughter's uh older mm-hmm. um played by Diana Scarwood and she kind of has this attachment to her mother but this hatred of her but that's all she's known and she's given her this you know life of riches but she's also a crazy person and she feels pity for her and it's actually a really great great movie and it's completely crazy and Faye Dunaway plays the 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 best nut job you will ever see in this so <laughs> it is right. a fantastic movie i love it but craziest mom you will ever meet uh, mommy dearest 1981 I think I may have a parent that could top them. All the or or could they? Because the number one pick, I did actually save the best for last because this is actually an awesome movie. Frailty from two thousand one. 
It starred Bill Paxton, Matthew McConaughey, Powers Booth. Uh, it actually was directed by Bill Paxton. It was his uh, directorial debut. Did you ever see this? Jason? No, I've never seen this, but I love Bill Paxton. Dude, and Matthew frailty. So. I'm, then you know what? I'm going to go out of my way. We, it's a 2001 movie, huh. and it, and I would argue it truly would even maybe qualify as a a a, a, a forgotten flick that's obviously more recent. I mean, it's still 10 years old, but yeah. I, I saw this at the theater. It's it's phenomenal. I'm just going to give a quick little overview. It is very. Much like a Stephen King story, it feels like one. It takes place in 1979 in a small town. Uh, Bill Paxton is a widower uh, with two young boys. Uh, his, his sons are Fenton and Adam. Uh, Fenton is, I guess, about maybe 12 years old. And his little brother, Adam, is about six or seven. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're just living their life in their quaint little town. Talking about movies like The Warriors and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, one night, Dad comes into their room, 2 o'clock in the morning, whatever, to tell them something. He was visited by an angel, the arch, the archangel Michael, I believe, who told him that demons walk amongst us. I have seen this. Dude, I have seen yes. this. Yes. This movie is oh, awesome. I, I remember it. I do remember it. Yes. yes. And he find and, and he has to get and the, and it's their job to seek out these demons, which take human form. And he's the only one that can, can see, see them. them. And they, mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I I have seen this. Dude. This is a phenomenal movie. Yeah, the movie's awesome. So so the best that I don't want to give I'm not gonna get not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna give anything else away, just to know no, that no, no. it actually starts off in the present day. Matthew McConaughey it goes to visit an FBI agent, played by Powers Booth, to tell him about uh, information he has regarding a serial killer that the FBI has been looking for, and that he's gonna yeah. tell him this story about his own upbringing. And that's all I'm going to tell you, folks. If you have yeah, not seen Frailty, crazy life as a as a young boy, yes, and his, you know, his crazy dad and everything. Yeah. yeah, it's a this is a fantastic movie. I had forgotten about this yes. movie completely. It is, and great. the name didn't ring a bell. But that when you said you know his dad had this revelation that he has to kill demons. Yep. Yeah, I I do remember this. It is a fantastic. And Bill Paxton is so good in this movie. I mean, he, oh, it, yeah. it, it's an he's I always like Bill Paxton, and I think he's one of those actors. That obviously, early on in his career, he tended to play similar type characters but <laughs> we're he, dead man yeah, yeah it's over game over you're stewed buttwad <laughs> you want some yeah oh no see i love those roles but... oh yeah i do too i i, I, I love me some bill paxton but i think in this movie and in in, in more recent time obviously with big love and stuff like that yeah, yeah. he has he's a fantastic actor but to direct uh, it and be that good in it because i mean the problem with an actor directing themselves is they're having to guide themselves in the performance. So there's nobody yeah. really telling them, uh, no, no Bill, scale out. it back or, you know, more energy. Yep. None of that. I mean, it's all him. So, yep. yeah, fantastic movie. Frailty, 2001. Highly recommend. Uh, Check it out. Post haste. Yes. So, Jason, on that note, would you like to throw out the old voicemail number? Absolutely. Give us a call anytime, anywhere. Uh, to the Forgotten Flicks feedback line. We will guaranteed put you on the air. We might clip a little out and give you talk long, but otherwise we promise we'll put you on. Um, 206-203-0491 and all long-distance charges apply. Absolutely. And don't forget to check us out at ForgottenFlicks.com. That's Flicks with an X, although I own both domains, so... Either way, I'm good. <laughs> and you can, you can check us out there. We always have uh, interesting posts, movie reviews. Uh, we got some games. We got the Six Degrees Summer Tournament going on right now. And it's becoming a blood feud, people. An absolute blood feud. People are talking <laughs> smack on Twitter. It's amazing. So, yeah, check that out. 
And of course, we always we have all the podcasts, all twenty eight of them now. Twenty eight. Wow. Wow. We're almost over the hill. Not quite. Almost. Mm-mm. So yeah. So go check us out there. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter. Which, uh, if you're cool, you will. And uh, I am Forgotten Flicks. Jason is Flicks Sidekick. And those, of course, again, both Flicks with an X. And, uh, you know, follow us again if you're one of the cool kids, which we know you are. You wouldn't be listening. You would have turned us off a long time ago. Well, that or you have taste. And you turned us off a long time ago. So, <laughs> wow, wait, did I just insult everybody listening? Yeah. You, you, wah, 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 and our wah. viewership is dwindling slower. Yeah. Well, first off, <laughs> would, it, would it be viewership? Because they're listening. Ooh, I'm going to get snarky now. Really, Jay? Viewership? <laughs> Viewer that implies seeing? Wow, you're going to insult them and you're going to be a bitch. Nice. No. <laughs> I'm, I kid, people. You know I kid. It's late. The meds are worn off. What do you want? So. It is. Yes. So anyway, so follow us on Twitter. Uh, check us. Uh, check out our Facebook page. We've got Forgotten Flicks uh, Facebook page. Also, be sure to check out our iTunes page. Subscribe, leave a review, all that good stuff. And uh, honestly, folks, send us uh, an email, feedback at ForgottenFlicks.com, or you can send us one individually to Jason or at uh, ForgottenFlicks.com or Joel at ForgottenFlicks.com or Ned Needlander at ForgottenFlicks.com, whatever. <laughs> It's all good. Um, or feedback at ForgottenFlix.com, which probably would be just the shorter way to tell you where to send an email. Also, if you haven't checked it out yet, and this is going to be so random, and Jason's going to be like, Arr! but check out on Hulu.com the booth at the end. Oh, yeah. If you're a Lost yeah. fan, it's a an odd Twilight zone kind of show. Very low-key, but it's got a Lost vibe. So if you're into Lost... Just check out the booth at the end and shoot me some feedback at uh, feedback at ForgottenFlicks.com. If you don't have yep. Hulu because you're not in the States or wherever it's available, I'm sorry. I know there are a bunch of butters who, you know, <laughs> <laughs> although apparently Netflix finally going to the UK. I'm sure they'll offer you like six freaking titles, but, you know, at least they're going to the UK. <laughs> I don't understand why. They, why? Wait, I, mean, I understand they have. It's a business yeah. decision, but whatever. International rights. Ah, yeah, that, blah, 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 blah. Make everything Creative Commons. Problem solved. Anyway, um, <laughs> just give it all away. It's a utopia. It's beautiful. So, Jason, on that note, any last uh, comments? Because I'm about to bust this out with something cool, brother. I'm going to bust this out with something cool. Yeah, I've seen John Locke's junk. That's all i got to say. <laughs> and on that note... Come on, Dad. I'm trying to make a good impression. It's a lovely night. Walking in the moonlight is very romantic. Trust me. But, Dad, you promised to let me use the car if I got good grades. <clears throat> Dad, I want to take her to the movies. It'll take an hour to walk there. Then you better get going. And by the way, enjoy the show.